to full energy From bed right here cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Look on top of the day, couple guess too We're gonna win the trophy, we're overdue Now we do the double, make it deja vu It's a move, London ting, girl, but it's only on the wing Harry's one of our own nine and in It's only got money, but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking We're the show side, we're the show side We're the show side, what we sing We're the show side, we're the show side Now it's a new flood the pain Yo, 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 yo it's the Shelf Side Podcast, episode 93. What's going on, Kwabna? What's going on, what's going on, what's going on? I'm back. I feel like I've been away for ages. People probably haven't even noticed, but yeah. I didn't want to say anything. I was actually not going to say anything. I was actually just going to skip that and go straight into the conversation. But as you mentioned it, yeah, it's been a while. It's been I don't know what while, you've been doing. It's been a while. You know what? For the viewers at home who can't see this, right? Because you've got um, on your head a hat, but when you look up... It looks like um, you've dyed your hair blonde, like, and I was like, he's gone away, <laughs> he's he's grown his hair, and he's come back, Don Ballet style with blonde hair. Wow. Like I was like, that's not Kovner. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be nice to have to have the the opportunity just do something wild like that. May I just do my beard as well? Now you would look like Herman the Monster. Is it Herman or Bigfoot? What is it? Bigfoot. Wow. If you dyed your beard wow. and your hair so that's, blonde... That's all I take to look like Bigfoot. Nah, <laughs> no, he's the only person you know that's yeah, got nah, 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 blonde nah, nah, beard nah, nah, and a nah, blonde nah, nah. That's hair. Disgusting. That's a disgusting, disgusting comparison. I didn't want to talk to you about it now. I didn't want to talk about You know it. what they say about men with big feet anyway? Big shoes, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And big shoes to fill. Exactly. Anybody who has to fill in for you then. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, but those, those guys did a valiant job. It was actually good listening to... It's it's nice, man. It's nice being on the other side and listening to the content. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I find it... I do. I find it genuinely enjoyable. So, yeah, it was good to, it was good to do that. It was good to do that for sure, can I, So, can I just... Talking about previous episodes, I'm just going to give myself some flowers and pat myself on the back because... <laughs> And I'm going to do it. And I'll tell you why I'm going to do it. Because, as we know, Twitter, we've established, long established Twitter is a wild place out there. And even after we beat City, and I know that's a few games ago now, um, when we beat City, um, I think I put in our group chat about that being Kane's best performance since um, the Chelsea 5-3. Mm. And, and you kind of wanted me to quantify or justify that. And then I think I did. And I think I went on from there and said it's probably his best performance in a Spurs shirt, period. And and the reason I'm mentioning that is because I also put that on Twitter. And of course, on Twitter, people just <laughs> shoot you down. <laughs> There's got to be at least two or three people that shoot you down just because oh, I feel like. Man. Which is well. fine. Which is fine because it's about, it's about opinions anyway. Yeah. But what... I'm patting myself in the back for is because did you notice the number of news outlets that actually ran with that narrative that that was Kane's finest performance? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people were saying that they were like, "This is the." And the thing is, I think once you contextualised it, it's hard to, it's hard to argue. Like when you first said that, I was like, "What are you talking about?" There's been like loads of great performances, but against a big side where the situation was like, where it was difficult context all that kind of stuff like yeah I can't think of another one like and look 
sometimes we can be prisoners of the moment and recency bias sets yeah. in. But when you take into consideration all that context, it's difficult to know where he'd done better, where he'd performed better. But like, you could think about the two-two draw against against Liverpool, where he scored a penalty after missing one. Right, so the context is important. The pressure's on because he's already missed one. Blah yeah. blah, and secured the he secured the draw. But this, he secured the win after we'd gone behind, and you know. He, he kept oh, on putting they the pressure They pulled it on. back in the last minute. Yeah, so sorry, they pulled it. They, exactly. But then, you know, he, he was constantly he was constantly a thorn in their side. So I don't think I think it's I think it's true. I think it's actually a very fair fair um, fair assessment. Fair assessment. But here we are, here we are post Leeds, and uh, as always, even with the even with the wins. I feel like we leave with more questions than answers with Tottenham. <laughs> so yeah, let's get let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, so we had the win away to City. We all know that. Then we came crashing down with the defeat to Burnley, and everyone could have told you that that was going to be a one-nil defeat to Burnley after beating City in such fashion. Only two or three days later, and then we come back and fresh leads for nil, which then puts us back in contention for a top four spot. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do. Obviously, we've got to win a lot more games keep some clean sheets and build up our goal difference, which is three, which must have been minus one, As in, given that our, t- our, our goal difference has been shocking for so long, man. So, yeah. so, so yeah. long. And, and that in itself tells a story, right? So in order for us to get top four, we need to overhaul Arsenal, who are full six points ahead of us. Well, three points and a game in hand. Um, Man United, who I can't remember how many points they are ahead of us, but they are ahead of us. Uh, I know we've got games in hand on them. And West Ham, who are now ahead of us, but we've got a game in hand on them, at least one, I think maybe two. And then Wolves are behind us, so they've dropped a little bit. I think they've played a game more on two points behind us. So we're there or thereabouts, and we also have to play Arsenal, West Ham, um, and Man United um, yeah, this season. Yeah, we do. <laughs> So, oh and I think goodness. they all have to play each other. I know Arsenal have to play West Ham soon. And I believe I saw they had to play Man United, I think. So, it, there's going to be a lot of points up for grabs. Um, and West Ham play Wolves. Oh, no, they played Wolves at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, so and they, and they lot, beat them 1-0. They beat them 1-0, yeah. So, we could get top four, but is this side too inconsistent to get top four? I think... I want to ask you because of the aforementioned kind of situation and the goal difference of positive three. Are we too inconsistent to get top four? I would say we are too inconsistent ordinarily any other time to get top four. I just feel that the teams that we're competing with, there's n- there are none of them that you'd bet like 100% that they're nailed on either. So... A few seasons ago, I remember when we were in sole possession of top four, the fourth position, and we started to like draw and lose games. It was almost like we we're trying to throw it away, and we ended up just getting fourth by like, the skin of our teeth because someone else like failed to win or something. I can't remember what the final. What Loris Loris saved the penalty against Arsenal. That was the final moment. You talk about that season. Um, maybe it was the season where we in the running we lost to Southampton two one. 
I think Son Son scored, but we ended up losing two one. And anyway, it seemed like we were trying our best to basically throw it away, and we ended up getting the rest of our team. Man United seemed like a mess. West Ham had never been there before, so I feel like, you know, I feel like they're just happy to be there, right? So that mentality is different. Um, Arteta and his scumbag lot. They're a problem. They are a problem. They're not denying they're a problem. But we get a result against them, and the wheels will come falling off, and then we could be boosted. So that's just a bit fine. And then I think Wolves are playing with house money, so they're like... They're cool. So, are we too inconsistent to get fourth? Yes, we are. But fortunately for us, no one else is is is, is more consistent or reliable. So I'm not as fearful as I should be. I don't know. So yeah, that's that's how I feel. I can understand why you feel that. I feel like I've been waiting for Man United to catch fire. Right? I think a lot of people and, have, man, and they just don't seem to solve. I don't think they know what the issue is. So therefore, it's, hard, it's harder for them to solve it. Well, I think it's Ranić. I think if they had a different manager right now, uh, Ten Hag or a Poch, if they came in, or even a Conte went in there, I feel like they would have resolved a few things. I mean, they're missing chances, um, and yeah, they're drawing games they shouldn't have. But I don't know. I still think there's a lot of talent there. I still think there's a lot of talent there. The, the scumbags, the scumbags worry me because as they seem to have curbed um, their defensive issues, even with Shaka in the middle of the park, they seem to get results. They get players sent off. They still seem to get results. And the what the biggest thing that worries me about them is they always create chances. Right, they always, always create chances. They don't have an issue like we have sometimes of um, sides playing two banks or four or four and a five, parking a bus and struggling to create chances. They always create chances. They don't always finish their chances, but they always create chances. And they're always a front foot side driving forward with Saka, Smith Rowe. And that worries me because when you're creating chances, you can score goals and win games ultimately. That that is true, but I've also lost the people who I mean, yes, Lacazette scored the other day, but in having oh. lost Aubameyang, it's like how many natural like goal threats do they have? There aren't many. No, there. that is that is very true, and they're and they're looking for obviously they were looking for one. I guess they got Enketia doesn't score that much. Lacazette was a known goal. He misses a lot of chances. If you speak to anybody who's an Arsenal fan, um, they would tell you that he used they thought he was going to be good, but he's very inconsistent in front of goal. So that is a fair point. But if you create, I guess, six chances a game, you stand a chance of scoring one or two, um, perhaps. So they they do worry me. Um, West Ham, not really worried about West Ham. Uh, I think they've had their moment. Yes, they won against Wolves, but I think when they come up against decent opposition, they will struggle. Um, we need to beat them them properly as well and yeah Wolves I think like you said playing with house money and could be their bubble could have burst recently um, but so let's see I think I think we will need to go on a run that run you wanted us to go on Bro, I think we need to go on that I just don't, I just don't see it happening now the thing is there are there are 14 games 14, 13 14 games after the season right am I am I right in saying that 
Yeah, I think so. How many games have we played then? Wait, um, 22? Yeah. No, 20, 24 of your 15 yeah. games left? Yeah, so, that's right. So I feel like there's just so many twists and turns to come, but I just also... I just don't trust us to take advantage of that number. I just don't. Because so well, I think Burnley's left that taste that. in your mouth, right? But Had we I beaten mean, Burnley, Burnley, we'd have been Burnley, like... Burnley, Wolves... No, but I think Burnley, had we beaten Burnley and then beaten Leeds after beating City, you would have thought we'd turn the corner again, right? That is true, yeah. Yeah, I would have, yeah. So that Burnley defeat really sticks in mind. And, and, And the thing with that Burnley defeat, it wasn't necessarily the worst performance in the world. Um, I think Wolves and Southampton were worse. I just feel like we had moments we didn't capitalise on and then we got done by set pieces. Um, I, I don't think it was the worst one, but it was a bad defeat. A very bad defeat. And Conte, what did Conte come out on, on the back of that one and say? He said, um, he, he had another rant and said, we don't have, what did he say? Um we can't win it with this team or he's not used to losing four out of five matches and the board need to think about his position or something like that. Like Another rant from Conte. No, you know, just the level of petulance for me was just like unacceptable. Wasn't that three days after saying this is the yeah, best, best team group of he's there players? Nine, nine times the skill, but just because of their willingness to, to train and to get better and to improve and their commitment. Like, you, you, are you not embarrassed? Are you not embarrassed by that behaviour? And then he came out and said that he didn't mean that, but he was just frustrated with losing or something to that effect. Basically, manage yourself, man. Manage yourself. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing because he's been over and emotional, and there's a thin line between being passionate and losing control. Because when you are in a difficult situation, like Tottenham are currently, in trying to get some kind of consistency and structure, focus, you're supposed to be there to steady the ship, not telling people, oh, you know, I'm not used to winning, losing this or that. Like, no one cares about what you're used to. The bottom line is you are here at Tottenham. This is the first time you've been here and you've taken on a job that you have at a level that you haven't been before. Tottenham, yeah, Tottenham is a big club, but are they the same size as the clubs you've been at? willing to just throw money in this situation, you have proven that you're a top manager. There's no denying that. But you're a top manager when given the resources. You currently don't have the resources given to the context and situation you're in, right? January is very difficult to do business. We've had that a million times, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, you, you couldn't get all your problems solved in January. You knew you were going to get that because you joined like j- during the season, after the season underway. So to come out of all this stuff, it just shows to me just the level of petulance. You're just throwing your toys out the pram because you've got some poor results. Do you think the team wanted to lose that game? They're not going to lose. They're going out, they're trying to follow your instructions. So if it's not working out, you also have to assume responsibility. And he's, him, by him going, oh yeah, maybe I'm the problem, he's just being, he's just being petulant because you know people are going to be like, oh, well, Tottenham haven't succeeded for ages. You have been succeeding. So clearly the problem is not with you. It's got to be Tottenham. But actually, no. No, you've got you've got to take some hits for that. A hundred percent, you've got to take some hits for that. So I fully agree. Too emotional from Conte. I don't mind his passion, but he's too emotional. And 
I worry, does it, will it have an impact or has it had an impact on the squad? Do you think? Uh, I think I think it would have had an impact. Yeah. Because these guys, they're not stupid. They know he's not here, around here for very long. Right? So then they have to ask themselves, who are we committing to? Who is it that we are thinking to ourselves, yeah, this is the person we're going to follow? Because if he's out here saying, ah, oh, this is why it's long, blah, blah, how could you get people, your superstars to commit? You'll get people like Harry Kane, who people want them to stay. you get people like Son, who people want to stay. These guys are people you want to build your team around. They want to build your, your successes around. If they are following someone who they're not even sure they can com- is going to commit to the fight and is behaving like he's throwing his towel like in like at this stage, to me, it's unacceptable. He needs to show a level of mental fortitude. Things aren't going your way. Keep your mouth shut. Get people back in the training ground. Blast them. Do whatever you need to motivate them. But coming out in the media and talking about how, you know, we're not good enough. I'm not used to losing. What? What do you mean you're not used to losing? Some of these players, some of these players spent a period of time having accumulated the most points across the three years of any Premier League side. Can you turn around and tell them that they're used to losing? They've gone through a transition the way you're going through a transition now. Your job is to help them get through it because you're the manager. So shut up and do that. Oh, strong words from Kwabna on Mr. Conte there. Conte, I know you're listening, so please take it on board. Yeah? Um, <laughs> if you take it to his face, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Antonio, we can have a conversation, mate. We can have a conversation. Because, I mean, you have to look at it. In any other situation, that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be acceptable. You can't say that because of his success. His success. It's afforded him the right to respond to that. To respond to a situation where things aren't going away with that. That's a lack of leadership. He would be called, he would be anyone else would be called out for doing that. But it seems like our fan base think he's completely oh. untouchable. Like, don't question Conte. It's all about Enoch. It's all about like okay, <laughs> alright, listen, Levy and Enoch are not perfect. And I'm not out here defending them. But the same Enoch are saying I was wrong for doing this, are the same Enoch who got Conte to come in the first place. And whether we like Enoch or not, the transfer window is closed. So as a manager, do the best with what you have. Do the best of what you that's, have. Yeah, it's embarrassing. This whole this whole feeling of that like, Conte can't be questioned. It's, people should be embarrassed, man. They should be embarrassed. Yeah, so blinkered, like, so blinkered in mindset. Like, who are you? Do you? Like, does he does he pay your bills? He's made many mistakes. Like, manager will make mistakes throughout the season in terms of selection and tactics. Right, he is questionable. The comment you are touching on is. The timing was absolutely ridiculous. Yes, it was after a defeat, but don't talk about Tottenham haven't changed anything and you, the transfer window is closed, like the month before. We've got four months left of the season to play out, or for three months of the season left to play out. That's not the right message. And then he questioned the emotional um, ability of his team to handle bad moments well um, a few weeks after Southampton game. That, that, that is embarrassing to say that like when you behave like this oh my god <laughs> so I just I just hope and, and the thing is players unless he's told them just ignore my rants in the media which I don't think he would have players yeah, do a good job of ignoring things but all of these guys are on social media and when the media he's a he's a media magnet a bit like Mourinho obviously Mourinho is the 
arch archetypical media magnet from a manager's perspective. But Conte's not far off, so anything he says, they grab hold of and run with it. Right, so it's everywhere. And, yeah, I'm sure the players see it, I'm sure it's come back to them, but I just hope they're not buying into it too much. But um, Or else, it's going to be very problematic, because we're one... Um, loss or draw away from another Conte outburst and God knows what he's going to say next um, to be honest with you it's mad 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 just get a grip man get a grip like leave from the front yeah one thing he seems to have got right though is um, I don't know what we're going to call him are we going to call him Deki are we going to call him Kulu are we going to call him Kulazeski which is apparently the wrong pronunciation Kulazeski yeah yeah so um Let's call him Decky. Let's call him Decky for the moment uh, because uh, we're comparing Decky to Lucas. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, they are very different, man. They are very different. They are very different, but they're both the third wheel and a very potent attack with record breakers, which we'll come on to. So it's either Kulu or Decky and or Lucas or Bergwijn, but it seems like Decky has the hand on the driving wheel at the moment mm. so I don't know who who do you prefer I know it's, it's a short short sample size we know what Lucas can do um, he's given us some magical moments he is a front foot player always drives the team forward then you've got this guy who we don't really really know what he can do i.e. his maximum output he's very versatile and I think his versatility has come in handy he's played wing back He's played 10. He's played um, outside right, or let's call it right wing. Um, he's been versatile. Uh, he scored two goals. He's actually our second top goal scorer in the Premier League. First, sorry, third top goal scorer in the Premier League after five games. Um, that's a worry. What do you make of Decky? And, and who would you prefer in that position? I... Sounds crazy, but I, I, it's really hard to say one way or the other because I, I don't want to sit on the fence. But ultimately, what you get with Lucas is a level of unpredictability, a pace, and excitement, right? Where you are dealing with Kozeski, you are someone who's a bit more structured. Um, a bit more uh, considered and therefore he probably is better at executing a tactical a tactical like team approach Lucas has shown that he can follow the team tactics and dynamic he's shown that like numerous times but he's at his best when he can do something a bit off the cuff like Kluzeski showed the other day when he um, when he played against Leeds turning inside scoring that goal you know, for a lot of people, the, the standard thing would have been to pass to Kane. He didn't. He saw the opportunity, he went for it. It wasn't even like a, a very clear-cut chance. It was something he made out of nothing. What do you make of that goal? Just give me a quick um, ranking on that goal, I don't know, out of 10. What, what kind of... And the reason I ask you is because people are going absolutely nuts for that goal. For me, um, for me, it's a 7, right? It's a seven, it's a 7 because he took a situation out of nowhere and due to his tenacity and I guess intelligence in terms of being aware, aware to receive the ball that quickly he made something happen that goal should have probably been saved 
Oh, I, I thought you were going to say he should have been cut out when I think one of the defenders ran across him, but didn't. Well, touch block, the ball. blocked, blocked. First of all, uh, keeper got beaten uh, at the near post. Near post, right? but he gave him the eyes. He gave, gave him the eyes, eyes, but keeper got beaten at the near, near post, right? He probably, if that's Lloris, I wanted him to say that. I know Lloris is a world class goalkeeper, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like he should have, he should have done a little bit more. And then that aside, there were so many people that could have gotten away that that shot. So maybe, by even by the time he pulled the trigger, he had gone through more people than Kane would have had to get through to take the shot. But he scored it. So the level, the level of difficulty was high, but he scored. So that's why for me it's got to be a seven. Like I feel that there were certain things that around that where the decision making wasn't great, but he pulled it off. So you've got to give credit for that. I think people are making out like it's a worldie because. Football are just people are just so reactive, aren't they? Like we've been craving for out for a bit of magic, so now we've got it. You know, the same guys who said that he was dead after his first fifteen minute cameo are probably the same ones who are texting he's the greatest thing since Gareth Bale. So <laughs> Whoa. Slow down, Tiger, yeah, slow down. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he has three goal contributions in was it five outings. It's not a bad return. I don't believe it's been all action packed a la Gareth Bell. Definitely not. Um, but like you said, I think the key point is there is his versatility and his tactical awareness, um, his size, um, and yeah, definitely understanding of the game and the ability he has, which we touched on before he joined, to we touched on the versatility and to cover a lot of ground. And I think he clocked in um, in Syria, regularly clocked in at um, most mileage covered throughout the game. So we're, we're seeing that and we're seeing a bit of magic, which is nice to have and goals. So I don't know, though, because I've always been a Lucas fan and I think Lucas gives us an X factor. Um, he obviously, we've criticised his final ball, but... One thing, if you notice about Lucas, and I really tried to study this to understand why his pass completion um, is questionable. Oh, I would love, I would love to hear this, man. I cannot wait to hear this. God. Well, so here's my take on it. Right, in summary, Lucas only ever passed the ball forward. Right. Give me, and I want anyone to when they watch Lucas play. Count how often Lucas passes the ball sideways or backwards. Um, you may get more sideways passes, but you're very rare to get backwards passes from Lucas. When you think about when Lucas receives the ball, in his mind, he's only thinking about going forward. So whether he beats the man himself, and he's very few players in our team that can just beat the man off the cuff like Lucas, or he tries a forward pass, through ball, cross, whatever... It's often him going forward. And with that percentage of forward passes, you're going to make a fewer of them. Well, you're going to make few forward passes. Fewer forward passes than you do sideways or a la Winks backward passes, although he did have a good forward pass. The other oh, day. So that, that so, was a very good pass. It, it was, so shout out to him. Um, so that's my kind of take on Lucas. Don't get me wrong. Some of those passes he should be making where he doesn't make, but he is playing more riskier passes than the average person. And then you could turn around and say, well, Kane does the same thing and he's successful with 60-yard arrows to Son. Fair point. 
But that's my take on Lucas. We know what he can give in terms of ups. Apparently, he can touch the basketball rim, which is uber impressive for somebody of his size. That means he's jumping with his arms up to eight feet tall. Um, I can just about touch the basketball ring these days, and he's doing it <laughs> off the cuff. So <laughs> he gives you a lot of dynamism, um, but some inconsistency. So I think... I don't know if I could say Klazeski, um should replace Lucas on a regular basis. He has done. Um, let's see how it goes. But I'm still Team Lucas at this moment in time. I think, and I think being able to use them in tandem it should be okay. Like there'll be times where that structure is needed. You bring him in. There'll be times when perhaps we're losing and we need someone to come and shake things up. Then you bring him in. Like. I think it's a Tottenham where we're constantly... It feels like, obviously, because I don't pay attention to other teams like that, but it feels like, at times, we're constantly debating who should start. Like, we should only have 11 good players. Like, we should have... Yeah, very true. We should be, have a good squad. We should have a competing squad. We should have people who can come in and do different jobs against different teams. We should be able to drop out one player and, bring, and understand that it's a tactical change that's being made, and we understand why it's being made. That's what that's the kind of squad we should be aiming for. And this doesn't necessarily mean that we've got twenty two world beaters. No. It can just be like seventeen players who are functioning who are functionally effective in every iteration of the format formations and tactics that we want to play. It should just be it. That should just be it. Well, it's funny you should say that because we had two players, one that's come in recently and one that came in the other day and both had an impact and I'm talking about much maligned Matt Doherty and Ryan Sessignon so Doherty actually got a goal and assist (laughs) and um, Sessignon got an assist and um, looked very good especially in the first half Um, were you encouraged by Sessignon's performance but equally um, Matt Doherty I was encouraged by both the performances, but not enough to believe that a corner has been turned. I'm going to need two or three performances before that happens. What I did like was their comfort in their roles and their willing to step forward. I think Sesson Young getting at his defender a little bit more, playing that ball. You know, again, I feel like the ball was a good ball, but it should have been cut out. It should have been cut out. Good defence cuts out. But he had the wherewithal to play it. Right, and so you've got to you've got to give a certain level of appreciation for that. I think that he's grown in confidence. We know he's a specialist right wing back, and getting a run in the team seems to be doing a world of good. I hate to be that guy, but we can't shy away from the fact of who the competition was. This is a team that has been sticking to their guns despite things not going well, conceding a lot of goals. You know, it's tough. It's tough. It's got to be. That's got to be called out. So uh, I'm just really. They're aware. a championship I'm, I'm, side I'm, with Calvin Phillips, I'm right? I'm really, really aware of of the gulf in class between the two sides. That be that's very true. They're a championship side minus Calvin Phillips, um, or with Calvin Phillips in it, uh, bona fide England international, and maybe Rafina. But I mean. We've played other sides, uh, relegation-threatened sides, and Doherty and Sessegnon haven't necessarily looked good. I think Sessegnon, I've criticised him. I've said he looks like a uh, deer in headlights. Um, Not quite sure what his strengths are. If you gave me 
um, piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and said, write down Sessignol's strengths, I think I would struggle yeah. to give you three strengths. Yeah. Um, and possibly with Doherty as well. Maybe I would say going forward, arriving on the back post for Doherty, um, probably one of his strengths. But um, for Sessignol, I would really struggle to give you three. Like, or, or, or his main strength even. Right now, I'd struggle to give you his main strength. Um, however, people have been encouraged um, with some of his performances prior to Saturday. Uh, noticeably Liverpool, noticeably Man City. Uh, I feel like they were more for his defensive tenacity than going forward, although he did get involved in some forward movements against City. Um Today was a different game, or Saturday was a different game. Um, obviously, weaker, a lot weaker opposition. And we needed the outlet um, from the fullbacks. Again, that's where the space was. And, yeah, he provided some moments of encouragement, but I'm still not convinced. Um, and I guess Reginong will probably come back in after his bout of COVID against Borough um, and hopefully does well. And we have competition there. Um, equally, I think Royale got on the end of a cane through ball and should have scored. Yeah. Um, so your your statement about the opposition probably rings true. If both our wing backs, who are both shocking generally, were able to have goal scoring opportunities, this is the thing, right? So, you, you you can't get too carried away, but you can only beat in front of you. And if we could play Leeds every week, then fantastic. What I want to see sort out, sort out goal difference for sure. But what I want to what I want to see is changes in the approach, right? So, Sessegnon wasn't getting forward before enough. He wasn't attacking his man. He did that a little bit more. I wanted to do that regardless of who he's facing. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it's a big part of his of his asset. It's one of the big things that we 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 kind of signed him for. And you made a good point on the last podcast when you were breaking down, you know, him not being a left back but him also not being a left winger and, and and how he was given a free role. And it's absolutely right. Now he has to learn to play in the system and I just want to be able to see shoots of progress in that space. That's it. Well so far so good. Um let's see how he performs in the next game. I think we're gonna have a Session Young watch. I think he's a, a person of interest. Yeah for us. Yeah, yeah. has to be has to be on this pod um so let's let's we can't we can't ignore the fact that we have a pair of record breakers in our side probably the two players that are closest to world-class caliber if not they're already both in tandem or at least one um Kane and Son are now Premier League record breakers for most combination goal combinations 37 beating out Drogba and Lampard um, congratulations, Lero. Please add some celebratory music if you can. Um, but the question I want to ask um, Kwabna is Kane gets his flowers and will get ultimately get his flowers. He will probably go down, especially if he breaks Jimmy Greaves' record, as the greatest ever Spurs player. Yep. Right? especially in modern times, if you want to put that caveat on it. But if he breaks the record, there is an argument that he's Spurs' greatest ever player. Yeah. But where does Son rank in this all? Because when you break down the 37 goal contributions, uh, sorry, goal combinations, I think Kane has 19 goals. Son has 18. So that means they have very similar number of assists and very similar number of goals. So... 
where does Son rank in all of this? And does he rank amongst Tottenham Hotspur greats? To me, Son is top five in my lifetime. Oh, straight in your lifetime. Yeah. And when is your lifetime spent for? Please, let's give us three. Give us the best players of each decade of your lifetime. First decade. Oh, this is tough, man. That is really tough. The first decade, I would probably say... Klinsman? When was Klinsman? 80s or 90s? When were you born? 90s? 80s. Was Klinsman wasn't in the 80s. No, he wasn't in the 80s. Well, I'm talking about 80s. the decade of my life, right? Rather than like oh, the so decade of life. Decade yeah, of yeah, life. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay, cool, cool. Because um, otherwise, like, if I talk about the 80s, it's not much window. So, um, Klinsman, I'd probably say. Okay, your first decade. Yes, okay, yeah, I'd cool. Say Klinsman. Um, and then my second, I would say. Bale. No, second I'd say second I'd say Ledley. Yeah, second I'd say Ledley. Uh third I would say Bale. And then into like the fourth decade, I would probably say Kane. Okay, so there's an indication of four really good players and four that I don't think many people would argue with. I think probably, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Klinsman was only there for a short period of time in both spells. Obviously, Bell, again, was there a bit longer. Um, Kane, lifetime, and Ledley, lifetime. Yeah. Just looking at something here. Son... I think is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth, tenth on the all-time goal-scoring list for Tottenham. Yeah, which is impressive, and he has a chance to surpass Robbie Keane, um, and possibly Jermaine Defoe. Well, Robbie Keane and Jermaine Defoe with goals for Spurs in the league, and Alan Gilsey. And possibly Teddy. Now, those players, Robbie Keane, Jermaine Defoe, Teddy Sheringham, the word, and he's already surpassed Hoddle, the word legend gets thrown around with those type of players at Spurs. Especially Hoddle. So, I think, not just your lifetime, I think Son should be considered across Spurs history as... Probably, and this could be controversial, the best international player Spurs have ever had. The greatest international player. And I know you talk about Klinsman, you mentioned Klinsman, you're talking about Ginola, you're talking about Oziar Dealers. You could even be talking about Bale. Mod- and I'm going Modric. to contextualise this. Modric, yeah, Dembele. Um, Gilzeen. The, uh, only, pe- Gilzeen. the only people who in that list who I think... Son needs to worry about really is Bale and the reason I say Bale is because of course. the context right because Son's goals 
yeah, his numbers are, are decent. They're good, right? But his goals have come at very, very important times where people around him were floundering, when Kane was either not playing well or not in the team. Like, these are when his goals came. The rest of them, they seem to score when things are alright, things are good. Whereas Son scored a lot of his goals in clutch time, which we discussed. And that is a big difference. Yeah, yeah I mean, let's not forget, Bell had a season that will go down in folklore, Premier League 100%. folklore, Tottenham folklore, where he won us One game single-handedly, yeah. Yeah, no devastating. I think the reason I could present the argument of Son being our greatest ever international player is for some of the reasons you said, but also the longevity of it all in terms of I think he's been consistently good for a very long time. Um, And Bell was consistently good after his rough start, but how many seasons did he have with us? And, And that doesn't mean he's not great. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have a chance of being the greatest. I just feel like because of Son's longevity and what he has given us, was Bell's more impactful, but Son has more substance over longevity? And does that allow him to be great? Because you could argue Klinsman van der Vaart were greater, had greater impact in a short period of time. But overall... When you're putting somebody on Mount Rushmore, do they need to have that longevity? Like a Ledley King, like a Jimmy Greaves, like a Harry Kane, like a Glenn Hoddle, like a human song? Yeah. Hmm. I, do you know, I, I do think, I think the, the, the longevity does, does count, man. Like, look, Van der Vaart is a great example, right? He came in and he had massive impact short amount of time and he scored big goals in big games, which we loved. But the second a system came that didn't favour him, he wasn't impactful. Son has managed to do it against... Uh, he's performed, been a top performer for every manager he's, he's looked after Tottenham in the past. And scored years. the first goal in three reigns on the trot, I think it is. So his ability to thrive in any environment, any situation, is a massive asset to his to his legend. Like, we should not take that lightly at all. It's a big it's a big thing. A big, big thing. So we're saying, are we categorically saying Son is Spurs' greatest international player? I am... I'm not happy to say that because of Bale I think Bale's our greatest international player the bottom line is when it comes to football matches you're trying to win games and I I have loved players more than I've loved Bale I loved Dembele more than I loved Bale I loved Van Le- Jan Vertonghen more than I loved Bale uh, I loved um, I loved uh, Robbie Keane probably more than I loved Bale but really yeah um, because there was like a charm about doing it in a side that was not going anywhere like middling around, right? <laughs> like there was a level of expectation, uh, not a great level of expectation, but there was a certain level of expectation with Tottenham being, oh, can they be the top four? And a big part of that was because of Bale, right? But um, Bale's Bale's season, like I've never seen anything like it, man. I've never seen anything like it. Like a season so good that when he said he wanted, the one there was rumors about when he was going, I said, if that guy wants to go, yeah, if that guy wants to go. 
Make sure he's given the nicest send-off possible. Make sure you show for him. Make sure you give him whatever he wants. Because that guy single-handedly dragged us to fourth. It was not a smooth. It was like, there were games where we had no right to win. Or we just messed it up. We threw things away. And, and they were like, I'm not losing this game. And we've seen people do it in other sports, right? But it's really hard to do it in football. It's really hard to do it in football. The pitch is so big. The pitch is so big. There's so many permutations that need to go through to happen perfectly. And I know you can say this about every sport you can. But for people who like watch a range of sports properly, for me, it's you can't have Hail Marys in the same way in football like you can in the NFL or even the NBA. Football just like it's just so much harder to do that crap, which is why it's such a low-scoring game comparatively, all that kind of stuff. But Bale many times was like, I don't care. I'm going to do this. And when you see... I'm going to throw a Hail yeah, Mary. And when you see someone do it, when you see someone go top bins like in a dying minute, like, why are you even shooting top bins, bro? Why are you not just trying to get your target? But you're going top bins against a, a London rival when you know every point matters and you're trying to get full. Like, because of, because of Bale, Tom Carroll almost played in Champions League. <laughs> Think about that. Tom Carroll. Tom Carroll. Well, yeah. Where's I mean, Tom Carroll yeah. now? He's not even a QPR, is he? Don't know. I don't know where don't he know. is. Don't know. No, he's not a QPR. Don't know. I don't think he's at QPR. Well, he's not playing if he is. Don't know. Who knows? Great, great players you know elevate the whole is? team, man. They elevate the whole team, and he did that, man. He did that. He was not in a great team. I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point because Son has played in typically, generally, good sides, yeah. and probably his best season was probably everyone's best season when those four players managed double figures in goals and assists. Um, yeah. Kane, Eriksson, um, Son. God, how Kane. do we do that not um, with the league? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, actually, we can't talk too much about that era because oh. we're going to end up mentioning the name. We're going to be fine for mentioning it. So. But I, the reason I mentioned that is because has, if he does that in any other season and those other players don't get those numbers, then that season's probably highlighted a lot more so than for him as an individual season but I guess you could argue that he probably w wouldn't have got those numbers if he didn't play in that team that had those special players at the time so I don't know but I'm still going to go on Twitter now and put that statement out and be happy to have fun with getting shot down <laughs> good luck that's my form of entertainment for the evening yeah fair enough fair <laughs> enough Cool, 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 cool. Tell me something, right? You've been away, but you've been listening. Um, I feel like we must have had Montreal before. Have we? I feel like we have had Montreal before. Have we had Chennai? I'm very familiar with Chennai. No, I don't. Um, no, we haven't. I don't we haven't. We haven't had Chennai before, no. Well, Chennai, guys, shout to you for locking on to the best... The number one, the most banter-filled, tactically aware <laughs> Spurs podcast on the market. No, no, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate side. you guys logging in, man. Love for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, San Jose, I know we've had, we've definitely had Paris before. Um, but yeah, so only one new city this week, and that's Chennai. So, boop, boop, brat, brat, to you guys, to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, we, we appreciate you and all the listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. You can follow us on the socials and read Andrew's inflammatory tweets. If you if, there, if, if, if those tweets get you angry, 
he's the one who's he's, he's sent him out there, you know, for a fact. But um Shell Pods, if you if you have the minerals, jump on there and let us know what you're thinking. Um if you are listening on iTunes, you're not doing that anymore because iTunes doesn't exist, but Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which you can now leave reviews on, please leave us five stars because we only give five star content so you know it makes sense. Give someone the gift of the pod. Tell a friend to tell a friend, let's grow this first family, this this first community. Um I've enjoyed this because it's post to win, man. And so I'm just gonna say it's a good night for me. And it's good night for me. And Son and Kane are now the sole owners of the most devastating partnership in Premier League history. So smile, because they both play for Tottenham. And the sun always shines on the south side. So Lero, my bro, please run that intro. You say intro or outro? Damn, it's the outro. <laughs> he, I, he's going to leave that in, though. I know he is. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lero. <laughs>